Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Fly on the Wall. My name is Addie and I'm so excited to be welcoming Tom Menantos to the pod today. But quick before I get into his bio, please be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Fly on the Wall Pod. And be sure to follow us on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever you listen to your podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to shoot us an email at flyonthewallpodcast at gmail.com. So now to get into a bit of Tom's background, um, he's currently the Vice President of Government Affairs at Spotify and was formerly the VP of Government Affairs at the Internet Association, which is a trade association representing America's leading internet companies. He got his start in politics working on the Gore 2000 campaign. He was at the Democratic Convention that year and then went into advanced work on the road and in the campaign headquarters. And then he moved on, uh, did some more advanced work throughout the years, uh, took some time off to do campaigns. But for 11 years, he was the House Democrats liaison um, on the Hill. So he was the liaison to House Democrats on behalf of the Speaker Nancy Pelosi and DNC Chair Debbie Wasserman Schultz. And so he regularly talked with uh, members of, of Congress about a large range of issues such as healthcare reform, Wall Street reform, and the Recovery Act. And he did a lot of events work for Speaker Pelosi. He also has a job board, TomMenantisJobs.com. So please check that out. He has made it part of his life work to help young professionals get a job in DC. And so that's about Tom. Uh, I'm really excited to welcome him to the podcast. Thank you so much, Tom, for joining us on the pod today. Happy to do it. Yeah, awesome. So we'll just jump right in. Um, getting started in your advanced career, we just came from What is Advance, uh, hosted by GU Politics. Uh, so you started off in the advance office and the Gore campaign in 2000. Uh, can you just describe what your responsibilities were there? Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I started um, at the Los Angeles Democratic Convention as a volunteer. And I was in the part of the convention that was running, helping run the uh, Gore campaign headquarters for the, at the convention. So, you know, my first days were setting up computers, mm-hmm. arranging rides for senior staff. And then the first part of my advanced experience is when a staffer convinced me to take a semester off from my next semester of college. And they sent me out um, on Gore's boat tour of the Missouri River. Um, or Mississippi River, sorry. And I was stationed in Hannibal, Missouri. Mm-hmm. And so we were preparing that venue so it was a good turnout of crowd so the candidate had a good experience and knew who's in the crowd um so i did a couple of those events jumping ahead of whether it was vice president gore at the time or mrs gore to set up those events Mm -hmm. and then i was transferred to the gore campaign headquarters where i was an advanced desk which meant um, I was the person, the touch point for all the advanced staffers across the country for Mrs. Gore. So when they had to go to a certain state um, ahead of her, I arranged their plane tickets, their rental car, uh, their pre-cell phones, their beepers, that kind of stuff, um, their rally signs that I sent out from headquarters or, or made sure they had. So I had a bunch of different uh, functions within the Gore campaign, mm-hmm. but that was all within the advance operation. Yeah, awesome. Um, so how did working in the headquarters different, like, was different than being on the road, actually setting it up and being there with the candidate. Like, what did you miss, but what was at the same time maybe better? So there are pros and cons. I'd say the pros mm-hmm. of being at headquarters, you're, you get access to, even at the most junior levels of the campaign, 
the stars of the staff of the campaign. So yeah. one of my first days at headquarters, I was sent to go pick up Donna Brazil at the airport and I drove her. Now she's on the phone the whole time and I barely interacted with her, but she knew me by face like, oh, here's the kid that gave me the ride from the airport, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, or if if Gore had won, you know, the senior staff knew me that I'd be on the transition team, you know? But the negatives is that I was missing out on the fun on the road. The, the road is, uh, so much fun as a young person doing advance. You're traveling at every, almost every state in the nation. You are meeting all people, different kinds of people from the country. You get what a feel of a presidential campaign is actually like on the ground, in the crowds. You see the good days, the bad days for the campaign, and you feel the energy. Um, and you don't get that at headquarters. You're just watching cable news as you're doing your event, right? Yeah. And you rarely see the candidate. Um, so I think there are pluses and minuses of both. Mm -hmm. I think if someone's starting their starting in politics and you can get on the road and travel the country and see the country um, in the middle of a campaign, oh, there's almost nothing better. Yeah. So what, this is a very minute question, but how was the breakdown of advanced staffers in headquarters compared to the road? I'm guessing majority was on the road, right? Majority's on the road mm -hmm. always. Yeah. You just have a very small skeletal staff at the headquarters uh, coordinating those advanced staffs. Mm -hmm. uh, when the campaign uh, in the final days decided they were going to go to three different states than they had planned, we literally at headquarters got on the phone with the travel agency and said, change all the flights from you know uh, Cleveland to Milwaukee. And all those advanced staffers were not, the next day were not flying to Cleveland, they were flying to Milwaukee. Yeah. Um, and that, that takes some staff at the headquarters, but you know it's those hundreds of people changing those flights being on the ground so they can make mm -hmm. that those rallies successful for that next day. Yeah, totally. And what were the some of the challenges of not being physically on the ground to like coordinate all these teams and make sure all the events are running smoothly? Well, really, those folks on the ground are doing all the work. I was just sending them resources. So mm -hmm. if they needed another thousand rally signs, if they needed you know more money to be sent to them to transfer to accounts so they could pay for certain things or pay vendors, that's really the coordination. It's the people on the ground um, that are running the, those events that are usually there on a presidential campaign upwards of three days ahead of time to the yeah. short amount of time a day out. They're doing all the real work. The, the, the staff back at headquarters are really just supporting their great work. Okay, awesome. And um, what was your favorite event that you worked on on this campaign in 2000? In 2000, yeah. um, as sad as it was, it was probably um, election night um, where it was in, in the town that we were based in in Nashville. And um, as crazy as it was and how unsure as it was at the end when the election really wasn't called and it went to a, went to a recount, uh, just being there for that moment was, was very unique. Yeah, awesome. Um, so now transitioning a bit, uh, fast forwarding a little to your time on the Hill uh, with speak, now Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Uh, for 11 years, we were, you were the liaison to House Democrats on behalf of Speaker Pelosi and uh, DNC Chair Debbie Wasserman. And so you regularly, regularly talked with members of, of Congress on a large range of issues from healthcare reform, Wall Street reform, the Recovery Act, and all of that. So what was your goal as the liaison when you were talking to all of these different groups? So different functions throughout my time with Ms. Um, mm -hmm. Pelosi and the DNC Chair, W. Wasman Schultz, um, I had different responsibilities. So when I was advocating uh, or expressing what the House Democrats stood in the minority to the environmental community, young people, the, mm -hmm. the disability community, the veterans community, I was working with members of Congress to get that message out. Yeah. When I was doing advance for Ms. Pelosi as speaker, mm -hmm. um, I was helping her uh, get her message out on uh, on whatever issues we were pushing in the majority, uh, but working with our members of the Democratic Caucus to, to accentuate that that message by her going to their districts. 
Um, and then when when I shifted to the member services operation, mm-hmm. trying to about, uh, uh, pass the Obamacare or uh, the Affordable Care Act, I was working with Ms. Pelosi and her team to explain what was in the bill to members of Congress to try to get their votes. So all through it was, it's all about messaging. It's all about telling people, explaining what mm-hmm. either you want to do with legislation, what the legislation will do, or talking about the benefits of the legislation you just passed. So working with those different people, it's all about the message and all about the mobilization and information that flows. Yeah. So it sounds like doing a lot more of the messaging. How did you take your advanced background into something that sounds a lot more like comms? Yeah, well, the advanced function is, mm-hmm. um, as someone said in our event, a picture almost is better message than what is actually said at the message. So yeah. an advanced shot, a, a photo from an event can tell a story so much more than if someone sees it uh, when they're in the gym in the morning and they see the coverage on the news channel and they look and it's a great shot that uh, that set that sends a message of that picture. Um, that is the, that's the function of an advance uh, event. Mm-hmm. Um, similarly, a negative advance experience can tell a bad story of an event or feed into a certain narrative. I think we at this event we talked about today at, at Georgetown, we talked about the negative um, couple of news stories that were building up on a campaign and then at an event something fell down at the event which was the advanced team's responsibility mm-hmm. and it helped play in that narrative that the campaign was literally falling apart because their stage was falling apart mm-hmm. so that's both the good side and the bad side that advance can help accentuate the good story or unfortunately the bad story mm-hmm. and how did you originally get involved on the hill like what made you decide to transition from campaign life to being on the hill and being a little bit more stationary well, I think that um, it was just purely timing when I mm-hmm. came out of school. Um, I There was no cam- campaign necessarily to get on a presidential stage. Um, there were some congressional campaigns, but I lucked out with an internship with Ms. Pelosi when she had just become a minority whip and, and was lucky enough to stay on as permanent staff. Um, but throughout that, you know, when you're on the Hill, you often take leaves of absence to go work on a campaign during campaign season, yeah. and that's always a great opportunity. So whether I was running door knocking or helping turn out crowds for rallies or whatever I was doing, mm-hmm. the reminder of why we're all here doing the good work we do is all tied to elections. Yeah. And members of Congress care about three things, re-election, re-election, and re-election. <laughs> uh, that's the part of democracy that uh-huh. we love. And that's that's always very important. So whether it's advance, whether it's door knocking, whether it's doing rallies, um, that tie to the campaign is always exciting, a part of politics. And then when you're mm-hmm. lucky enough to work on Capitol, you're hopefully implementing uh, the vision for kind of what you believe in the way our country should be run via the government. Yeah, no, that sounds very inspiring. Um, so what lessons did you learn on the Hill that um, made your job easier and also that you carry on now even to this day in the private sector? Yeah, I think it's two things. It's it's hard work and attention to detail. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're starting out, uh, someone told me once the tip to when you're an intern or volunteer, you show up 30 minutes before the rest of the interns or volunteers and stay 30 minutes later and you'll be known as the hardest working intern or volunteer ever. And that moniker is a good thing to get when you're when you're in this job. And then you can't just work hard and not produce a good product. Mm-hmm. Whether your boss is the staff assistant that you're going to hand the clips to or your boss is the speaker of the house where you're giving her um, or him a memo to brief them of what they're going to say on stage and who they're going to meet in an event. If that is not double-checked and triple-checked that it's 100% correct to the best of your ability, that 
principal, that person taking that information you, from you will not trust you as a worker. So whether you're doing advance or writing speeches or you're briefing the chief of staff to the president of the United States, mm -hmm. you need to be working hard to get the best product, but you need to make sure that product is 100% to correct the best of your ability. So that's why hard work is always um, put together with attention to detail. Uh, awesome. So last question, just kind of wrap up your time on the Hill. Um, but was there ever one issue that it was a struggle to get all of the Democrats on the same page as the rest of the leadership? Um, I think the Affordable Care Act was the biggest challenge. We, okay. uh, if you go back and look at history, has actually had to pass through the House two or three times and the Senate twice. Um, it was a very complicated legislative procedure and uh, it was months in the making and that was part of the painful process and the sausage making that legislative sometimes is yeah. that but it was very rewarding you know mm -hmm. uh, to me to to think that I was a part a very very small part of helping get the affordable care act across the finish line the f that millions of people have health care and millions of people can live healthier lives was just the most rewarding thing of my career awesome inspires everyone to go on the hill I'm sure um, <laughs> And last thing, kind of moving on to our third room, as we like to call it, um, now that you've transitioned more into the private sector working with um, Spotify now and also the Internet Association. But quickly before we get there, um, as you're moving kind of more into the digital companies, um, during your time on the Hill, you also grew inspired to help other professionals and you started your job website. Um, so how has that grown over the, you know, uh, the year since you've made it and what actual impact have, have you seen it have? Yeah, it's it's my hobby is helping people mm -hmm. find their next stop and their, their next stop in their career or helping them start their career. So when you're on Capitol Hill, you're on a lot of these internal email lists. Um, in a leadership office, you're on every list from the chief of staff to the schedulers to the legislative director's lists. And so what I found myself in this very privileged position, and mm -hmm. this is pre-Facebook and pre-Twitter, that I would just forward all these job announcements to people out that I knew who were looking. Mm -hmm. And I built an email list of a couple thousand people who were who knew, oh, get on Tom Amitaz's list if you want to find out about a Democratic job. Uh, and then I uh, was married to a wonderful person. Unfortunately, she was a Republican, but she convinced me, a Bush Republican, she convinced me to make mm -hmm. it bipartisan. And so she and I built a website and then we branched to it. It's really nonpartisan, but all Capitol Hill jobs we can find, all private sector, nonprofit campaign mm -hmm. jobs, anything in the political sphere, that we at least bring down one barrier of getting that job or internship, and that's a knowledge of what's available. Yeah. And the next step, which we can't help you with, but we hope to teach you about, is networking your way to that job. So mm -hmm. it's been a very rewarding part of uh, what we do every day is, you know, we want to bring more people into this process. The more Americans that want to work in government and politics, the better for our democracy. And so that's been fun. Yeah, no, that's so exciting. I wanted to give you a chance to plug that. To oh, all thanks. Of yeah, Tom That's where you can. Everyone here, that's how you get a job. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so after the Hill, you moved uh, to the private sector as the vice president of government affairs at the Internet Association, which, to our listeners, is a trade association representing over forty of the world's leading internet companies. Um, and now you're also vice president of government affairs at Spotify, which I'm sure college students love to hear. We love Spotify. Um, so as the um, VP at the Internet Association, what was your day-to-day -day like? I'm just curious. You know? Sure, yeah. Um, it, was, it was telling the story of Internet companies to everyone in the government, whether it was mm -hmm. Capitol Hill or the administration, and the policies that, the policies that either um, would help the Internet grow and help users and small businesses grow on the Internet or the policies that might in, uh, hurt that. Yeah. Um, so at the beginning stages of people coming online in terms of businesses coming online, like we were the first investment really that Twitter made in DC or Uber mm -hmm. and Lyft before they had any presence and they have like, you know, 
big offices in DC now, their first step was joining the Internet Association. So it was explaining company the DC to companies who didn't really understand this world yeah. and trying to get the, the government to understand these brand new companies. Mm-hmm. And that interaction was great for me. It was really exciting to be at the... Uh, at, the, at the beginning of such um, a huge boom in tech yeah. and especially internet and their interactions with DC and I was helping them. So my day-to-day was I'd meet with Democrat and Republican offices, didn't mm-hmm. matter what my background was. I was a representative of the industry. It didn't matter my party affiliation, but I was explaining how um, certain bills or uh, would help or hurt the industry. Yeah. And how receptive was the government um, to all of this new ideas about tech? Because I know there's a stereotype about, especially like older senators and older representatives, they're like, oh, what's the Twitter, you know? So how'd that go? It's tough. Um, it's it's hard. I mean, a lot of members of Congress say, oh, well, my grandkids told me about Spotify, <laughs> and that's nice, but you've got to kind of bring it to mm-hmm. them. And so you need to explain to them in terms and, and ways that they could understand. So, you know, I think most members of Congress remember the downturn of the U.S. music economy uh, and the and piracy, and they're all familiar with that. But when I tell the story about Spotify, I say, you know, my founder came from a musical family. He had said he had, he'd built two tech companies and sold them at the very young age in his early 20s, and he wanted to figure out how to end piracy. In fact, in the country of Sweden, there was a pro-piracy political party. As crazy that sounds. Yeah. So Daniel Ek and, and, and Martin Lorenzen created Spotify to end piracy, and that's they were a huge part of doing so and helping rescue the U.S. music economy. Yeah. And so members of Congress kind of perk up to understand that. And now I say, well, who are your favorite bands? Well, I like, you know, Smokey Robinson or whatever. Like, well, here, look at this. And I just pull it up my phone and I get their, their favorite song and they're mm-hmm. just blown away. Um, so they kind of, once they get into the technology, they understand a little bit better. But if I talk in their terms, in, in terms yeah. of, like, you can have a CD or record whenever you want it, wherever you want it. And the best part about streaming is we're rescuing the U.S. economy, U.S. music economy, by trying to get as many people to pay, whether it's a student plan of four ninety nine mm-hmm. or nine ninety nine each month, that we're now getting record amounts uh, of money, of double digit growth for three years straight back yeah. to the U.S. music economy, and that's that's our our second year, second ten year goal at Spotify is to create a platform where one million creators can make a full-time living off their art. And that's a unique thing that no one's ever done, uh, no one's ever tried to do in the last 20 years, that, that Spotify is trying to do both via podcasts like yours and, and, and musicians. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Um, and how do you, now that you're kind of more in this tech world, how do you see it interacting with government? How do you see government maybe adopting some of this new tech and hopefully making their own infrastructure better? That's a bigger challenge. I think government's hard to modernize. That's fair. Yeah, yes. yeah. But I think what the the most recent um, interaction between tech and government is there's a lot of mistrust on bigger tech companies. Okay. Um, I think you need to explain the way how your company at Spotify, in my particular case, is different from some of the, the actors that are perceived um, less trustworthy, um, both from their constituents and the members of Congress themselves. For a whole host of different reasons, that's a bipartisan feeling these mm-hmm. days. Um, so I think it's more of like explaining how the internet works, how our how our uh, platform works in Spotify, mm-hmm. and maybe some of the ways, for example, Apple's disadvantaging us. So one example is how Apple um, tries to uh, make our product more expensive on their app store, or you can't even get Spotify on, on a HomePod speaker, mm-hmm. smart speaker. And we need to tell U.S. regulators and lawmakers that you need to come up with laws and regulations to prevent bigger platforms from 
from disadvantaging startups or, or, or people who are not part of that platform or making um, their product more attractive or affordable compared on the competitors. That's an, a violation of U.S. anti-competition law. So it's explaining that in a way that, you know, government gets interested in an issue that isn't necessarily applicable to the way their government agency works, whether it's mm-hmm. the FTC or the DOJ, but it's issues that they are responsible for for the U.S. government and explaining the good good and bad things that are happening within our industry that's applicable to the work that they do every day. Yeah, yeah that's fair. And it's a big challenge for sure. Um, so what do you appreciate most about being in the private sector compared to being in the public sector? Um, that's a good question. I think um, I appreciate uh, the ability to learn about business. When you're in government, you're learning about government. You're learning about the way government works. Mm-hmm. For me, to, now I'm lucky enough to be at Spotify for three years. And not only do I now know so much about the U.S. music industry and the global music industry, but I also know about the tech industry and learning why businesses make certain decisions. Um, Spotify is investing in podcasts. We want to be the central place for your audio on the Internet, mm-hmm. your one-stop shop for your favorite bands and your favorite podcasts, your favorite books on tape. Um, we have a huge children's uh, th- function that's coming out. You know, children's books is a huge thing that kids are now and parents are not listening to. Um, so to understand the changes in user behavior and the way a business does that, even in the last three years, when I came to Spotify, we were trying short form video and that didn't work out. Uh, mm-hmm. But now we're pivoting to more audio. And that's just a fascinating part to, as someone who wants to learn more about everything, that I feel like I have a pretty good handle on government. And now that I'm in the private sector to learn more about the business, but then I'm still at that intersection of my sweet spot of what I'm somewhat of an expert in. Yeah. And that's interacting with government that I can tell the business the best ways to do so. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah. And what do you miss the most about the private sector or sorry, the public sector? I miss making an impact on people's lives every day. I think mm-hmm. at Spotify, we do that in a certain way. But when you're driven to work in politics and you're to work in government, um, you feel like you can have an impact on millions of people's lives every day by the, the certain policies you're advocating for to make people more safe, more healthy, more, you know, uh, uh, more confident in their job or, the, or their lives. Um, and that's really the, the driver for a lot of us that are in this town for politics and, pu- mm-hmm. and public policy and government. Um, and that's the part that you miss, right? Yeah. Um, but you can do a lot of work on the outside to help, you know, your favorite candidates, your favorite party, um, or, you know, I'm making a different impact on different people's lives through um, the way I help people find jobs and get more people involved in this in this political world is, is somewhat more satisfying to me, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds great. And uh, just last thing to wrap up, uh, we do a fan favorite segment called the lightning round. So it's just quick answers uh, right off whatever's on the top of your head. Uh, so they're not hard, don't worry. Oh gosh, um, I'm getting nervous. Don't worry, you should. <laughs> um, so the first one, uh, campaign or hill? Oh, that's hard. <laughs> um, when you're young, campaign. When you're a little more experienced, hill. Okay, fair enough. And lastly, what is your favorite Nancy Pelosi moment? Um, it has to be when she first became speaker. I was with her on election night in 2006. I was a part of the team that set up the election night event where you know we had we had both the senate victory party and the house victory party excuse me and i was in her suite with her family in the the cable channels just called the democrats to win the house and she was becoming the first woman ever to be speaker the highest ranking woman in the history of our government and i was the person that was going to lead her down to the rally to the stage and everything Mm -hmm. and there was one moment we get out of the elevator we're going down this big public um escalator and it was just her and i she was a step behind me and a security guard behind her and i turned around and said 
I just want to be the first one to thank, like, congratulations, Madam Speaker. And I was just that moment in history to like the, one of the yeah. first to ever say to call her Madam Speaker. And we just had a moment there on that escalator in the hotel. Uh, that was definitely the most magical moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then secondly, I did some work to help Miss Pelosi uh, plan the platform for the swearing into the first African-American president, President Obama, for his yeah. first swearing because she was speaker at the time. We had some advance event uh, function on the on the platform, so it's actually on the inaugural platform of the Capitol, which is just magical. So I was yeah. very very lucky, and I and I thank God every day that I got to witness two amazing historical moments in our country's history firsthand. Okay. That sounds absolutely wonderful and a great way to end the podcast. So thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And that was Tom. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I had a great time talking with him. And it was a ton of fun, and I hope you guys learned a lot about advanced work, time on the hill, and what you can do to still be part of the government but work in the private sector. Uh, please don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Fly on the Wall Pod, and subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we will see you next week.